Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. You're rolling with Jason and John, or maybe today you are slipping and sliding with us. It is certainly, uh, man, when Jeff Calkins, the the maniac driver that he is on on snow and on ice, says, don't come out. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I listen. Uh, and so today, on this uh, this day, you look out on social media, there are emergency vehicles that are trapped right now. Uh, be safe if you are out on these roads. Uh, does not look good right now. John and I are certainly taking uh, uh, t- taking heed of Jeff Calkins' advice today. Hopefully, Brad Carson got in there without any bumps or bruises. Certainly appreciate him getting us all set up. The Dallas Cowboys made a decision on their head coach. We'll talk about whether or not it was the right one, uh, the top 10 ranked Tigers. Boy, does that feel good to say. Back on the court tonight down at FedEx Forum. That's a 6 p.m. tip on ESPN, the big boy. And I know my man John Martin is happy about that. He doesn't. He, he hates these ESPN Plus games uh, because no one watches them. Grizzlies also back on the road uh, tonight. They were back in action on the road starting a four-game road trip. Uh, tonight, we know at the Western Conference leading Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, watched a little college basketball last night. Watched a little Bronny. Uh, saw Ole Miss go down at LSU. We can talk a little college basketball, especially uh, when it, but you talk about Memphis's place in it. And, uh, yeah, man, I got uh, I got everything I need, a Coke, and uh, and I'm warm. John, how about you? Congratulations on that, man. That's awesome. That is all about, it is all about having the things that you need in this world. Um, yeah, I've been airing on the side of caution all week, so it's just another day that ends in Y for me. Um, you know, I can't be out here risking getting hurt and stuff before my my son is born, you know, inside of a month. So you ain't got to tell me twice, Craig. I'll stay my ass at home. Uh, and so, Smart. yeah, uh, blessed to have a setup to be able to do that for sure. Uh, and uh, appreciate everybody that's rocking with us this week and what's been a very weird week in Memphis just because of the weather and routines and starting the week off with a holiday. Uh, appreciate everybody that's been rocking with us today. Yeah, like I got a uh, – I know it was bad because my my brother called me this morning, and like he never does that. So I'm like, did, did someone die? Is he about to tell me somebody died? Uh, but no, he was telling me that the roads were so bad that – he had he just t- turned around went home in, a, in an all wheel drive truck, Jace. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just a sheet because it melted a little bit yesterday, and then what you had was that freezing back over last night. You had a little bit of you know uh, uh, of rain this morning, 
and that's only made it slicker. And so, it, as Jeff said, it's probably the best way. To, this is the worst day of the week so far uh, to yeah. drive, uh, including you know the past three that we've had. So, uh, to, you know, take caution to say the least. No question, John. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad your family is safe. Um, I figure we're going to be getting news soon on Young Dom. So maybe it all happens while you're while you're uh, uh, right there at the at, at the house, man. Maybe we get it all together. You know, you know what's um, weren't yes, y'all a month? We, yeah, we've talked about weren't y'all a month ahead of the due date last time? So it, it could yes. happen any moment. Yeah, perhaps it, it, would, it, it, it could. And and I can uh-huh. I can it's announce that, home. that she uh, Sam is one centimeter dilated. So good. I mean, we are really getting into it today with Doctor Martin. Yeah, and so what that means is that I mean, yeah, it could it could I mean any day, any day at this point. All right, um, all right, we'll be ready. And we we went to the doctor the doctor's office yesterday, uh, and uh, you'll be glad to know, Jason, that uh, if he goes full term, if, you know, which is you know forty weeks, I think he will be six pounds. So he's going to be a little runt, um, cool. you know, coming cool. out of the womb, but. Riley was two, and now she's seven foot tall. So, right, you know, we'll, we, we'll just we have still to see. Don't understand what happened there, and we still have really no explanation for why she's so large. Yes, yeah, right? he's such a yeah. such a such a big kid. So we'll see. Okay. But she was like five pounds, twelve ounces when she when she was okay. born, and so he's a, he's probably going to be about the same. Um, and 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 that you know based on you know the the projections here. So that's that was the update yesterday. Um, you know, but now that she's dilated again, this thing could happen uh, quite literally at any moment. So we're as prepared, Jason, as we could possibly be, uh, and and you know would appreciate everybody's thoughts and prayers as we you know go through the final term of this because you know obviously it's a huge adjustment, and you know you think you're ready and you can be prepared and you can have all the things you need, but um, it, it, it's tough when it's two. I can only imagine, but I'm about to find out. Uh, anyway. Listen, here's what we have coming up on the show today. Rob Dosher is going to join us. We'll talk to him about college basketball. Uh, of course, Rob Dosher from Field of 68. I'll be hosting Field of 68 tonight after the Memphis game. Uh, so if Excellent. you want to check in. And uh, I'll be on with uh, Randolph Childress and Matt McCall tonight. Um, and we will, of course, talk about Memphis because they're a top 10 team and they will have been in action. So uh, we will get into all of that. Memphis is a... I think 11 and a half point favorite. That's come down. They were 13 and a half and it's all the way down to 11 and a half now, I believe. Maybe less, maybe less now. Um, About 10 and a half. I saw, throw that out there, yeah. Okay. It, I saw a stat, Jason. I want to pull it up real quick um, about Penny when he is a 13 and a half point favorite or more. Oh. Because oh. somebody actually, somebody well, actually, I mean, wasn't it? I know it was 19 and a half against UTSA, wasn't it? I know yeah, that was, so that, Penny, that was when he is laying 13 or more points against the spread, he is 11 and 24. I was going to say it can't be good. Was, Straight up, though, he is 35 and 0. Yeah, we'll take that. I mean, that's we'll that. forget the against the spread stuff, right? I mean, if you're 35 and 0, that's all that matters in the that's end. The trend. Um, that's the trend we're going to follow. Yes, exactly. But I saw that, yeah, I saw that a couple of days ago, and I was like, man, that's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, anyway, I, th- I think that was all. I think that the reason they tweeted that was the night that they that was the night they went to overtime with UTSA as a you know nineteen and a half point favorite, like you mentioned. Anyway, Rob Doster is going to join us uh, at eleven twenty five or so. We'll talk to him about college basketball, about Memphis, of course, about Kentucky. Uh, they had a big win yesterday against Mississippi State. 
Talk to them a little bit about UConn, number one team in the country. Their first game uh, as the number one team in the country last night against Creighton. They handled business. Uh, yeah. So we'll get into all of that with Rob at 1125. Then at 125, we're going to be joined by Mark Giannato, uh, rescheduled from yesterday. He'll join us. We'll talk to him about Memphis, uh, the Grizzlies. They're in action tonight. Timberwolves, we got the Timberwolves tonight. They're on a second night of a back-to-back uh, against uh, – this. I think this one's on the max, right? Uh, I did. On- it's not, it's not a nationally televised game. I think back-to-back nationally televised games for Memphis. Is that on the on? What are you saying? It's on the Max. Yeah, I, I thought I saw an advertisement where they were on uh, HBO Max. Oh, maybe those you did. HBO Max games. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. This it's 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 a TNT game tonight. I'm looking dead at it. I don't okay, know about. It. I don't know if it's so, also available there, but I, I know I was okay. expecting it to be on TNT, and I'm looking okay. at it right now. Again, a, a TNT okay, okay, game. gotcha. Well, there, there's going to be some games this year that are only on Max. I guess you can, when it's on TNT, you can also get it on Max, which is weird. Interesting. Because if I have TNT, why would I need you know Max? If I you know whatever, I don't understand the way all this streaming stuff works in 2024, Jason. It still confuses me. Um, but Grizzlies back in action tonight against the Timberwolves on the second night of a back-to-back. So. I don't know how high your hopes are, but at least you have that going for you, right? Second night of a back-to-back? About 12-and-a-half. Memphis is a 12-and-a-half a on an underdog. I think the league expects, even with Memphis's 11-and-10 record, you're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Did you see wow. Draymond's story about G.G. Jackson and Steph Curry? We're going to talk about that I later. Did. We, didn't, we didn't touch on that. Yeah, we didn't touch on that. I did. So, anyway, well, that is G.G. Jackson show. time, baby. Just roll him out there and see how many can get. Give him 30 yeah. shots. Uh, yeah, That's where I'm at. Uh, so anyway, that is the show today. Looking forward to it, Jason. This Memphis basketball season has been uh, the best of times and the worst of times, hasn't it? Not really, man. I, I think you're having. I'm starting to get the feeling, especially this weekend. And maybe it's, maybe it's just because now you're you're bouncing off the walls. You haven't been out, but you're starting to have an anxiety about this season, or. Or, you know, you've said worst of times. I guess that first half against Bill Noble was pretty bad. But I meant more part, so like the con- the collective with the Grizzlies, right? Like if you just sort of take all of it, right? It's oh, Tigers. Oh, oh, I, oh, I straight thought you were talking Tigers. You take all of it into account. Absolutely. If you're talking about Memphis basketball includes Grizzlies, absolutely best of times, worst of times. Yeah, it, it sort of, you sort of have that, you know, going tonight because you have one team in Memphis that's favored by, you know, 11 and a half, 12 and a half. And then you have one team that's an underdog uh, of 11 and a half and 12 and a half. It's just like a, it's a sort of a perfect mirror uh, of this, uh, of this basketball season in Memphis. You know, one day, Jason, one day we will get them on the same page. I don't know when that's going to be, but one day we will get these teams on one accord. I did see, you know, Somebody tweet the other day or yesterday or whatever, um, just while we're on the subject of the Grizzlies, you know, something to the effect of, man, the Grizz are going to be so good next season. And I I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 I see that tweet, Jason. I'm just like, can you assume that? Can you assume anything? Like, it's hard. It's hard because you're, you're counting on so many moving parts um, that it's like I'm at the point with the Grizzlies where I'm just like, you know, kind of letting it happen. I don't know if that's the right philosophy towards them, but I, I think that's you're, you're safer that way than you are like injecting any, oh, big, great, big expectations into, into what they will or won't be a season from now. Am I crazy for thinking that? 
Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you could just say sit back and wait and see and all that when you when you think you've really only got two more seasons of this at least cemented with with Jaron Jackson under contract and the other two guys, and so there should be some sense of urgency in terms of the need to bounce back immediately next season. The key to me uh, to that is one thing because I can absolutely see a path. We talked about it. Last week, like a Denver, where you bounce back from a Jamal Murray injury to a point where you can win a title, uh, you regrouped and did that. Like a Golden State, we talked about didn't have didn't have Steph, didn't have Clay. They come back, they win the title. Yeah, I can envision a path, but there's one thing that's the key to it to me. Besides the health, I mean that goes without that that part goes without saying of you know your main guys, Jaron Bain uh, 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 and Ja, and the availability of those guys. It's Stephen Adams. If you tell me, John. That you've got, and Stephen Adams isn't even on the bench right now. No point, you know, off doing rehab, whatever else. At least he's up with these other guys. You know, you can see them, and and you know, you know what's happening with Stephen Adams. We don't, and there has been sort of this cloud of mystery in terms of what's going on with him. But more importantly, where will he be next season? If you tell me that you've got a healthy Stephen Adams that we will have seen what uh, a season and a half ago, that Stephen Adams that was. Best offensive rebounder in the league. He changed your offense because of the number of second and third chance opportunities that you get. We know the impact. We don't need to go through it. What he does for Ja in terms of clearing space. If you've got that Stephen Adams next year, then absolutely I can see a sort of bounce back, possibly to at least the point where you're a contender again. Um, it's that part of it, and whether or not you trust that enough to go into next year and say that's it, or whether or not you've got to make a move. But whether it's you know. Again, you know, solidifying that it feels that Vince Williams is going to be a part of the rotation going forward, seeing what you've got with Gigi, the rest of it's pretty much set, John, as far as I'm concerned, because, again, you can tell yourself, yeah, I'd like to go out and get, a, you know, a Pascal Siakam or, or maybe something a little down, obviously, with the Grizzlies not having the kind of assets you feel like right now to go out and make a move like that. But the fact is they're going to roll, run this back with Marcus Smart next season because of what they've invested to get him. There's no question about it. And, again, if you've got a top six or seven or eight that includes a healthy Brandon Clark coming off the bench with Vince Williams, um, we'll see whatever else the Grizzlies do around the edges, and you've got Steven Adams squarely in the center of it, I can absolutely see a bounce back. Do I, do I have a lot of faith that that's where you're going to be? Well, to me, it depends on how much faith you got in Steven Adams going to be right back or the Grizzlies' ability to replace that. Um, but I can absolutely envision a scenario, John, where they're back next season, basically in a run-it-back year. Um, but perhaps, and we've seen little pieces of it this year, particularly with Marcus Smart on the floor, Jaron, Vince Williams, where they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. I, I think Harrington said since late November they're number four in the league in defensive rating. Which, again, now some of those pieces, you know, you figure you're going to ease back on, but – you're going to absolutely run it back, and I could see Memphis, hopefully, and that, and that obviously looks like the plan, bouncing back next year. I know that's a longer answer than you expected, but I think for those fans that say, we can be really good next year, that's the scenario you envision, and it's it's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, <clears throat> there's a lot to, I think, still you know, play out, but um, I'm hopeful. I, I hope that they are as good as, as people expect them to be a season from now because, as you mentioned, the clock, Ticks. It always does. Um, and so, yeah. you know, it's it's time to, you know, cash in, man, because it does not last forever. On the other side of things that are good in Memphis hoops, that's Tigers. Uh, and they are back in action tonight against South Florida, which is, uh, you know, relative to what they had done uh, at the beginning of the season. 
playing its best basketball. Uh, they're nine and five coming into this one. They, I believe, they have won uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their last eight games. So yeah. they have played pretty well relative to how they started the season. Again, this is a team you should destroy and crush. Though, uh, interestingly enough, sharp money is coming in on South Florida here. And I think it's more, it's not because people expect Memphis to lose necessarily. I think it's just because they think Memphis, these, these lines are a little inflated uh, based on the way that Memphis has been playing. Interestingly enough, though, I mean, they're coming off of an absolute destruction on the road against Wichita State. So I'm not necessarily sure if I agree um, either way, this should be there should be no drama tonight, right, Jason? I mean, this is just one of those games on a, on a thir- on a Thursday night in the AAC that there should just be no drama from this Memphis basketball team. Business like approach, keep it moving. I mean, you would figure. I, I would say that you know, from an energy standpoint, a crowd standpoint, you just wonder what's going to be down there. Probably going to be a funky night. It was funky the other. Uh, on MLK Day, obviously for the Grizzlies game, that crowd got loud, but obviously it was it wasn't nearly what it what it could have been with the roads the way they are. It's the worst day of the roads this week, and so what you're going to have in terms of crowd, there could be you know a couple thousand down there at most. We'll see. I hope it's more, and I hope that environment is uh, um, you know one of that you would ex- uh, hope and expect for for a top ten team. But obviously the weather's going to affect the crowd. My point then, uh, very early on that energy. You know, could be a factor in terms of could I see Memphis get to a slow start? Absolutely. We've seen it in, 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 in games this year where for a whole half, you know, Memphis can look disconnected offensively. We saw it, what, against SMU, against Villanova. And so I, I do wonder what kind of crowd, what kind of energy you'll have. But you'll probably have to create your own early. Uh, I think, John, you know, one of their guards, Miguel, they got a couple of six four senior guards that's shooting like 47% from three. And so yep. that that is the area in particular where these AAC teams, and you knew it against UTSA, Wichita State came out hot, um, and, and they still, uh, you know, they, they're still hitting you for it. That I guess that's the one spot that okay, even when you know a team is coming in, they're going to try to you know beat you from the three point line. These teams in the AAC have shot out of their minds on Memphis from three, and so you know you could see a McGill coming out being hot. Uh, because he's done it all season. So, my, the, yes, John, if you control the three-point line, guard the three-point line. Now, we've said this over and over again, and Memphis has shown a, a penchant for letting it go. Um, if you can control the three-point line, you should con- control this team because one thing it does, one of its weaknesses uh, clearly is is on the glass. This is not some team that's going to pound you on the boards. That's a good thing for Memphis. And I tell you, too, John, with the way that, you know, whether it's Nick Jordan, Malcolm Dandridge, Tomlin looked better last game with the way your bigs have played. Um, hopefully this is a game where you're controlling the glass, guarding the three-point line, and, yes, you're, you're winning by double digits. We've seen double-digit wins against inferior competition in the AAC help you in terms of your metrics, and so hopefully that's what you're going to have tonight and what's probably going to be, you know, a lackluster crowd, understandably. I mean, that, I, mean I, I, I sort of fear for the pictures that are going to come from that game tonight. Well, no, nobody should, no, but, but no one should say, hey, top 10 team. You know what I'm saying? No one should hold it against Memphis. If Especially you've got, you when know. you see how, like, we just did the attendance graphic like two weeks ago, you know? Correct. Where Memphis Correct. stacks up pretty well. But, like, I saw that the Memphis tennis team, the Memphis tennis team last night apparently upset, like, number 11 ranked Harvard and in, the, okay. uh, in Memphis. Okay. And in the tweet, uh, the, the 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 tweet was like in front of no fans. It was like, damn, man, like you know, 
it's like impossible to get around outside, man. You know, don't 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 try to misrepresent us. Um, but not, uh, they won't. I mean, obviously, everybody that's going to do this game in terms of from a media standpoint is going to understand uh, the situation. What, what I do wonder, though, John, do you, I mean, do you, and I, and I wish I'd looked beforehand. Do you think that this game was moved? Because this looks like the perfect sort of ESPN Plus game because you're playing a, a South Florida team that nobody, you know, that that's bottom of the barrel in terms of or right in the middle, whatever. Not a, not a a prime time AAC team. I just was Memphis moved in this case from an ESPN Plus game to an ESPN game because to the point that you you know you were whining about yesterday and, and maybe you know to some degree you were right, but to the point that okay this is a top ten team now and we're going to get them out there more. Just I, it raised my eyebrow a little bit that this was on the, uh, you know, on ESPN. Yeah, look, I'll, got, I'll be honest. I, uh, I emailed Jimmy. I emailed Jimmy Pataro. Oh, did you? Yeah. And I Hopefully said, this the you son of a bitch, you better get Memphis on immediately. Well, again, this is not something you change this week. You're not, I mean, you've got to get these guys down here to do the game and everything else. But uh, maybe it was something that a couple of weeks ago when you got this Memphis team ranked. You look ahead and you say, okay, well, you know. They're relevant. We can stick them here. Um, it's nice, and hopefully, my point is, hopefully, John, it stays this way because of where you're ranked. It's fewer ESPN pluses. Uh, that's something uh, probably Gaston could speak to directly. I wanted to do. Would they take opportunities away because of the relevance as they push right. you more towards the mainstream as the best thing in the AAC? You just wonder could those things shift the more they keep winning. Well, you don't. You know, we don't want to take any opportunities away from anybody. We want everybody I mean, to locally, eat. Locally, that's Gaston and Albright. You'd be taking food off their off their plate with if if you're yeah, saying one hundred percent. You're just get more they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to survive without these opportunities. ESPN. So you're gonna have to make a decision, make a choice. Well, uh, anyway, you can I wonder calm if, down. Though. You can calm down about the attention because apparently that you know Memphis is starting to get enough that you know you're good. getting out there on on the on the on the mothership. I'll call out the dogs as soon as I feel like it's time. Or you or don't worry. One way or the other, however you want to spend that. But I'll have them ready if and when need be to deploy uh, on the national media for not paying enough attention to our Tigers. All right? That's just that's just the way it goes. Um, anyway, uh, that's the night in Memphis basketball. we got Grizzlies taking on the Timberwolves. And then we have uh, Memphis and South Florida at 6 o'clock inside FedEx Forum, as Jason points out, on Big Boy ESPN. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll talk all things college basketball, Memphis, uh, seeding, you know, opinions on these this team and Penny Hardaway, all that and more with Rob Doster from Field of... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 68. Back to the Jason and John Show. Live from the Leaders Credit Union Studios. Let Leaders Credit Union champion your financial story at LeadersCU.com slash ESPN. 92.9 FM. ESPN. All right, we're back. Jason and John, Eddie Turner from ESPN. Rob Doster is the angel on the shoulder of the co-founders of Field of 68. And, 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 and a great way to sort of gauge uh, Rob and, and, and Jeff Goodman is if I have a scheduled hosting gig with Field of 68, it's because Rob scheduled it. And if I don't, it's because Jeff vetoed it. So uh, I'm on tonight, which means uh, Rob won out, and Rob is kind enough to join us now. What's up, my man? What's going on, guys? How we doing? How's life? How's everything? The Tigers are 15 and two. Life's got to be pretty good down in Memphis if you are a uh, if you're a Tigers fan. It is great, um, and this Absolutely. is as relevant as they have been, as highly ranked as they have been this far into a season since John Calipari was on the sidelines. Um, and so I ask you, and, and I know that this is not something that you necessarily feel, um, but I feel it because obviously being based in Memphis, I'm a little more sensitive to it. Despite being a top 10 team, you look around, Lenardi's got him as a five seed. You know, the national sort of discussion on Memphis is kind of like, do I take them seriously? Yet here they are as a top 10 team. So, Rob, I'd ask you, why does there seem to be a little bit of a disconnect with what Memphis has achieved, where they are in the AP top 25 versus the discussion when it comes to them? So uh, I've been actually thinking about this a lot. And I think the reason why we are where we are with Memphis right now is because all the teams that they beat, when they beat them, it looked like a really good win. And it kind of put in our head, all right, look, this is what Memphis is doing. Okay, this is where they're winning. This is who they're beating. They're going on the road, and they're beating Missouri, who uh, does not look like they're going to be relevant at all in the SEC. They're going on neutral court and beating Michigan, who has completely tanked. And Arkansas, who looks like they're going to be a mess all year long. They're going on the road, and they're beating VCU in overtime, and VCU looks like they're going to be middle of the pack in the A-10. Um, Texas a and on the road. Well, they're, what is it, one and three in the uh, in the SEC now. Clemson's falling off a cliff. Virginia's falling off a cliff. Um, even like the wins over SMU and at Tulsa and, and the, uh, the UTSA one, uh, those are closer than it should be against teams that it feels like Memphis probably should be rolling over. So my guess is that we kind of got this thought of how good Memphis is in our mind after seeing what they played against teams that we expected to be really, really good this season. And then when you kind of look at how everything is shaken out, you know, the profile, when you're just looking at like the net spreadsheet or what, uh, what the selection committee would be looking at um, when they're in the selection room on selection Sunday, like it just doesn't have the same pop that it does. When you kind of look at the names 
on a sheet of paper, if that makes sense. And that's, I think that's probably why we are where we are with Memphis right now. But I think the bottom line is this. you got a 25-year-old, 60-year senior veteran point guard who has proven the ability to step up and make game-winning shots in multiple games on multiple uh, different occasions, right? You have a guy in David Jones who is as much of a bucket getter as you can find in college basketball and who is having an All-American caliber season. you got a whole bunch of length and athleticism everywhere on this roster. And I don't think that uh, Naquan Tomlin has quite, like, figured out how he fits into this team just yet. And he's still out there, like, producing, and, and they're still out there winning games. And uh, I think when you are in the American this year, at least this version of it, it's not like you're going to be running into Houston every single night, right? It's not like it's the Big 12. So they're going to win a whole bunch of games. They're probably going to end up heading into the NCAA tournament with, like, 28 to 30 wins. Um, they're probably going to end up being either the American regular season or the American tournament champions. I would guess probably the regular season champs at this point, unless uh, they they do something really dumb against North Texas. And you're going to head into the tournament as like a four seed. And I think that's the kind of thing where when you look at, take UConn, for example, last year. And I'm not saying that Memphis last, uh, this year and UConn last year are the same kind of team, but UConn was a four seed in the NCAA tournament because of some struggles that they had in the regular season, even though everyone kind of knew, like, yeah, you know what, this team's really good and they got a chance to really be able to make a run here. So um, if they end up in that four or five game, it is what it is. I just know I wouldn't want to be the one seed that ends up drawing them in the Sweet 16. How, uh, Rob, do they, and I agree with what you said, especially with what's happened with their non-conference record, do they have the look to you of a contender? Like, how would you compare this team with the experience and a lot of you know the, the personnel that you just laid out to a, to a Kansas State team that made that run last year with all of those new guys in terms of making the deep run, we know what you know what the metrics say and everything else. What do they look like to you in terms of uh, having that sort of personnel defensively, offensively? Well, I think what you need to be able to make a run is you need a guy who can kind of bail you out on a possession-by-possession possession basis, right? You need Javon. someone that you can give the ball to yep. and you can go yep. get a bucket, right? I think that, to me, that's Javon and that's David Jones. No question. You yep. need point guard play. You need a decision-maker that's not going to do a lot of dumb stuff. And I think Javon Quinterly, earlier in his career, was a guy that probably did some dumb stuff. And I think at this point, he's now to the – like, he's basically a grizzled veteran, man. Like, he's as old as John Barton is at this point. And, um, and I think that he has – kind of reach the the place where you just trust them to be out there and make decisions. So those are the two things that you really need. Now, you combine that with the fact that they have a bunch of length and athleticism and they're switchable and they can guard and they can rebound and they're tough and they're old. And I don't think that any of those kids are going to kind of be like blinded by the moment, right? And I think that there's there's no reason they can't get to the second weekend. And what we saw last year with someone like the San Diego State or what we saw last year with someone like an FAU is that if you can get to that second weekend, then all bets are off. Who knows? And all you got to do is just win two games and you're in Phoenix and you're in the Final Four. And a lot of that comes down to what the draw is. A lot of it, like with FAU, comes down to, hey, you know what? Maybe the one seed in your bracket gets picked off early on. Um, all of, Some of it is kind of like a dice roll and, and, and getting a little Absolutely. bit lucky. But all you can do is put yourself in a situation where you got a good team that can win and be successful against a lot of different kind of rosters. And as long as you do that and you got a good point guard and you got a bucket getter that can bail you out, I mean, that's really all you can ask for at this point. So um, I think you got to hope like Jaquan Walton can kind of figure it out a little bit more. I think you got to hope that Naquan Tomlin, uh, by the time you get to March, is playing like the guy we thought he was going to be coming into this season. 
But if all that happens, I mean, they got the pieces to be able to, to kind of figure it out when you get there. It's just, you know, do you make the shots when it counts and do you get the, the benefit of a good draw? How devastating is any loss? And I'm, I'm even going to include FAU in here with the way that they've sort of played lately. How devastating is any loss <clears throat> that Memphis would potentially take in the AAC? It sort of feels like, you know, they're already on that cusp of being a 4-5 without any of these happening yet. I mean, is it something where you go from being a top 10 team to, you know, potentially you're talked about as a six or a seven seed? I'm just trying to get a gauge for how how punitive an AAC loss is going to be. It, I mean, it, it kind of depends on what the loss is, right? If you lose at North Texas, I don't think anyone's going to. It might the public perception might be ooh that's a bad one right because there's a lot of dumb people that are voting in the AP poll that don't understand that North Texas is damn good and going on the road there you're Memphis is probably going to end up being an underdog in that game um, so I don't like that one probably won't hurt you too much if you lose at home to like Rice or Temple or someone like that it's a different conversation but also if you're losing at home to Rice or Temple you're probably not a top three or four seed in the NCAA tournament you know if that makes sense so. Um, I don't. I wouldn't be that worried. Like when it comes down to it, man, you guys know how this stuff ends up playing out. If you're if you're a six seed, if you're a five seed, sometimes it's better to be the six seed because then in, in the Sweet Sixteen you're looking at uh, potentially getting the number two seed in the bracket instead of the number one seed in the bracket. Um, maybe if you are the seven seed, uh, you end up getting the fifteen because the two seed got picked off. You know what I mean? Like you can never project further than that first game that you end up drawing um, in a tournament, and a lot of that stuff ends up being luck and. Um, but I, I will say that uh, I don't foresee too many losses coming uh, in this during the the through the American season, right? Like it just it feels like this Memphis team knows how to win close games, and I don't think that it's a fluke that they're doing things like going on the road and winning at VCU in overtime, right? I don't think it's a fluke that you're winning a close game against Clemson, that you are hitting game winners against Tulsa and SMU, that you're pulling out. Uh, an overtime game against UTSA. It just feels like they've kind of figured out how to be able to win in those crunch time moments. And I don't know. I think they're going to make a run here. I think they're going to head into the tournament with like 28 to 30 wins. I, I just don't see that many losses on the schedule. If they do that, Rob, because we haven't had a chance to, to ask you the, the question. I know it's been discussed. If they win those 28 to 30 games, and let's say, you know, you've won the AAC regular season and the tournament, is Penny Hardaway in those, Coach of the Year conversations. I know that, you know, what's sort of happened in the non-conference in terms of the other teams holding up their end hasn't helped you. But does the fact that, you know, you flip this roster, basically, it's just two guys in the sense that, you know, Jay, his son and Malcolm Dandridge are the only two that got, you know, decent minutes last year. Everybody else is new. How much does that help him? And would he be, if they go 20 or 30 wins and they're a four seed, as you suggested, would he be in Coach of the Year conversation? Well, the the hard part with that is I feel like the national coach of the year is always like, who surprised us the most? Like, who did we think was going to suck and then ended up not sucking? And right now, that's probably like Shaheen Holloway, someone like that in the Big East. That's probably um, like one of these guys that kind of came out of nowhere a little bit more. Like, Memphis is Memphis. And the hard thing about winning coach of the year at any of these power programs is like, there's always the expectation that you're going to be really good. So if you're not uh, you know, if you're if you're not like a top ten team at one of these power programs, if you're not the best program in the American as Memphis, then it's looked at as a disappointment. Whereas 
you should be lauding some of these guys for the job that they're doing to keep the program at that level. Like that's why I think right now, if I had to, to vote for coach of the year, it would be one of John Calipari or Dan Hurley. Um, and I mean, Cal just, with the, no one's winning with freshmen anymore. And he's basically got four freshmen in his top six and he's out here uh, looking like he's going to have a chance to win the sec. And then Dan Hurley lost, his three best players to the NBA. He hasn't had two of the, the his his two draft picks healthy, and he still has UConn rolling to the point that it's successful, um, and they're number one in the country. But I don't think either of those guys would actually win the National Coach of the Year award. It's going to be somebody that's a little bit, um, you know, a little more bit more off, off the yeah. radar. Yeah, a little bit like more surprising. Like we didn't think that they were going to end up being good, but they ended up being really good, and they ended up putting together this kind of season where uh, nobody saw it coming. You know, like Hubert Davis is one that kind of strikes me as a guy that might have a chance to win National Coach of the Year because it's North Carolina, because everyone thought they were going to be outside the top 25. Uh, someone like a great guard was kind of like, that's just how those those awards tend to go. Penny's done a great job. You guys know how I feel about Penny, man. He's been awesome. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you said, though. I mean, it's got to be like there's another there's another sort of level, the, I feel the, like. The fact that, that he was just... second in the AAC and not first is not enough in this case in terms of coming from off the, you know, we didn't expect this. To Rob's point, they were still expected to be one of the top two teams in the AAC. That's what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, it's Memphis, man. Like he's got to he's got to like blow everybody out of the water and go like eighteen and zero and and, yep. and run the coach of the year. That's just that's how the coach of the year stuff goes. It's, it's kind of frustrating, but you know that's it is what it is. I buy that. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, we're talking to Rob Dosser. Just said that Penny is doing an underwhelming job this year at the <laughs> no, university. No, he did not. He did not. <laughs> <laughs> No, look, I, I do want to hit some national stuff with you because uh, I happen to be tuned in to uh, that UConn-Creighton game last night. And it was it was Clinton's first game back in about a month. And, you know, again, we don't see this very often, right, in college basketball. We don't see repeat champions. And there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go before we, we, we get there. But um, they are the number one team in the country. And I don't know, Rob, I just felt like watching them last night. And again, it was a home game, and I get all that. But, like, they still, even even with all the pieces that they lost, Sonogo and, and Hawkins, Caravan and Klingon and, and and Newton and all the, you know, and the, and the Camp Spencer kid they brought in, like, this UConn team feels just as uh, capable of winning a national championship as the last one, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it, there, are, there are no flaws when I watch them. Yeah, so the biggest thing without Klingon was the defensive side of the floor, right? They they went from being a top 10 team on Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency metric to like outside the top 40 in four games without Klingon. If you use, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of BartTorvik.com, but he does like similar okay. Ken Palm kind of stuff, but you can break it down by like a specific part of the schedule. And if you look at when from when Klingon got hurt to before he came back, they were like 130th in defensive efficiency over that like two and a half week stretch. And then you see last night with him back with the way they, they can kind of switch defenses with the way that they can change their ball screen coverages with just having the great wall of Bristol back there, being able to, to just be seven foot three and big and in the way at the rim, they give up 48 points to a team coached by Greg McDermott at home from the 10 minute mark in the first half. The ten minute mark in the second half was the one of the best defensive performances that I can remember seeing in terms of you know their rotations and being locked in and being connected and making sure that everybody was uh, 
pressuring the ball and, you know, switching when you needed to. And, you know, they were hard hedging ball screens when Samson Johnson was out there and they were playing drop when Donovan Klingon was out there. And those are two completely different ways to guard ball screens and completely different coverages. And they were able to make sure that all of their guys were, you know, there wasn't one misrotation during that stretch. And if they're going to go like that, this, this is the wildest thing to me. It's like they completely blew a top 20 team out of the water, right? It wasn't a game, and UConn did not play well offensively. They scored 62 points at home in one of the best environments that you're going to see in Gamble all year long. And they shot 35% from the floor. They shot 26% from three. And that wasn't a game. Like, from 10 minutes on, you could tell who was going to end up winning that game. That's really, really impressive for a team that had questions defensively coming in. Uh, is this kid, Rob Dalton, connect? Is he is he the missing piece for Tennessee just in terms of you know, finally making that deep run and, and maybe solving the offensive lulls that have plagued them over the years. I was looking at it on Kim. They're 21st in, in, in offensive efficiency. It's their best ranking offensively since that 18-19 team that was a two-seed, ended up losing to Purdue in the Sweet 16. Just is this? Do they have the right ingredients this year to make a deep run? He, he is so good. Like, he it's is. not even – I was talking with someone about this today. It's not like – Tennessee has changed what they do offensively, really, right? It's not like they're out here exactly. uh, having Rick Barnes run these, like, really impressive offensive sets and scheming all this different stuff, and they're saying, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're reinventing the wheel. We have John Beeline's offense, and we're going to do this, that, and the third, right? Mm-hmm. They're still kind of running the same stuff, but for the most part, when things get bogged down, they just give the ball to Dalton Connect and say, get the hell out of the way. Let him cook. We got the better player. He's gonna, you can't guard him. You can't stop him. Let him go. Like that's what they did down the stretch against uh, – uh, who did they beat on Saturday? I'm blanking. Whoever they beat on Saturday. Florida. They did down the stretch. Yeah, they beat Florida. And they just gave them the ball down the stretch and just said, go. Um, that's what they did uh, last night or uh, on Tuesday night when he went for 39 points. Like, it's just – it's unbelievable what that kid's doing. They, they are literally running the KD offense for him, where it's give him the ball, get out of the way, let him cook. They called – what we used to call that in the AAU days was the do-him offense where the coaches didn't know what they were doing, just gave the ball to their best players. Do him! Do him! He can't guard you! Do him! It's the he can't guard you offense. And it's working. And there's still two in the country defensively. Like, I, I, yep. I, don't love, I don't love the way that the roster is built. I don't love the makeup. I don't necessarily love the way that Tennessee wants to play. But it is very hard for me to sit here and watch Dalton Connect do what he does, knowing that Sakai Ziegler also just went through like the best game stretch of his career, right? Mm-hmm. Now yep. that he's healthy, and yep. they're still guarding him in the elite level. Like that is a really, really good team. And this, I, if this isn't the year that he gets over the hump, like Rick Barnes might need to pack it in and just kind of call it a day and say, "I'm never going to be able to get it done, man." That they are, they are really good. I, I agree. Watch. I, uh, uh, I usually every year without fail usually hate. Kentucky. Like, I just usually typically don't like the way their team's constructed. I don't like a couple of pieces. I don't usually think it fits together. And I am totally opposite that this year. This is the first Kentucky team I have actually really liked in a long, long time. And I don't know if it's because of, you know, a guy like Reed Shepard who's coming off the bench and and is just ridiculous and timely. I don't know if it's because you have a guy like Antonio Reeves who can score from anywhere on the floor. I don't know if it's my like connection to to DJ Wagner because of his dad. I don't know, but I love this Kentucky team and and what they can do. And I know that they're 
is a little bit of uncertainty at the big spot. And that, that really obviously is the clear weakness. But, you know, you look around, you shop around. I see Kentucky in some spots, Rob, at 18-1 to 1 to win the title. I mean, how do you not how do you not hit that? Uh, look, I, I love them too. I have some questions about what they are defensively. I think getting the Anyanto kid back will help them and help solidify them against certain matchups. I think having Aaron Bradshaw there certainly does make an impact. But the biggest thing that stands out to me is that they have four different dudes in their backcourt that can win a game on their own. They can be absolute game changers. Like DJ Wagner, he's won games this season because of how good he is. He won the game at Florida making plays down the stretch, right? We know how good Antonio Reeves is. He had 27 last night at home against Mississippi State. Um, Reed Shepard has won games for him. There's times when he's looked like the best. Like he's looked like a first-team All-American. 100%. And, and then Robert Dillingham, like there is no player in college basketball that is more dangerous than Robert Dillingham because he could out of nowhere just reel off three straight threes in a minute, which is what he did at Texas A&M. That's why they took the game to overtime. So I just when you put all of that together, that is a very very dangerous team. Now I had this argument last night with with uh, with, with Doug Gottlieb on After Dark, and I think that they are more likely to make a Final Four than they are to win the SEC title. Because I just think that there's, I mean, freshmen on the road, got some questions defensively. There's going to be games where it just doesn't work, right? And that's just going to be the byproduct of having a little bit of a younger team and relying on um, being a really high-powered offense. Sometimes the shots aren't going to go down. That's what it is. That's life. That's basketball. But I don't see any of those guys getting intimidated by the moment, right? And I I love the way that that Gottlieb phrases this. He, He says that they don't have any aux gym guys. And what that means is they got, they got a bunch of freshmen, but every game DJ Wagner played from the time he was like 14 years old was a big deal, whether it was at Camden High, whether it was on the EYBL circuit. Same thing with Robert Dillingham, right? Like he played for CB3 in high school, and he played for one of the – I forget which prep school he went to, but he went to one of the big prep schools. It was always a big deal every single time that he played. Reed Shepard played in the state of Kentucky for a Kentucky legend and committed to the University of Kentucky from a school in the state of Kentucky. Every time he played, every Kentucky fan in the state was paying attention to him, right? Like, all of those guys have had the spotlight there. I th- and I'm, I, mean this, I mean this respectfully, right? I don't think that they quite understand what they are doing in the moment that they are playing in. And sometimes there's, like, the benefit of being a little bit uh, – what, what's the best way to phrase it? Like, not, like you just, you're not old enough to understand – what you're doing shouldn't be done. Does that make sense? Like they're not mature enough to realize that what they're doing is ridiculous right now. So I'm, I'm kind of in on it. I don't think they're going to be phased by the bright light. I just see them getting better and better as the moment gets bigger. So I'm with you, John. I think they can get to Phoenix. You know, if you can get to Phoenix, all bets are off. Anything can happen. Uh, last thing, Rob, because I was, I was watching it late last night. I just wanted to see, you know, uh, Bronny. Uh, last night against Arizona and Arizona clubbed them and Caleb Love was great. Uh, ended up winning by 15, but just, uh, is it going to be worth it for Andy Enfield in the end, right? All of this. I mean, even LeBron, when he, in his post-game uh, presser, is watching the game, and he, you know, he's he's into it. He's coaching. And you got LeBron saying Bronny should start. All this stuff. Is it going to end up being worth it? Is the kid is the kid going to blossom into this lottery pick eventually? Like, what do you think of this this whole situation? It's such a distraction. I figure for a college basketball coach, you're just trying to find some continuity. Yeah, and you know what sucks is like it's not. Bronny. Bronny, like, by no, all he's accounts, a good kid. Yes, he's great. He's like a great kid, a great team guy. Like, he's he is the exactly. perfect complimentary piece on any roster because he defends, 
He's got such a high basketball IQ. He makes shots. He knows how to guard. He knows how to move the ball. Um, it's just he's on a roster with a couple of shoot first guards. You know, the number one player in the country that probably went there wanting attention, and a Boogie Ellis fifth year guy that wants to score and is trying to prove himself as a pro. And Kobe Johnson's got uh, NBA aspirations. So you got all these other guys that are looking for shine and looking for shots and looking for attention. Um, yep. And then everyone's paying attention to the dude that like didn't play until December, and that you know when he has a game when they lose by thirty and he scores fifteen, all anyone talks about is Bronny scoring fifteen. Exactly. So I, I don't think I don't think it's on Bronny, like the the person. I just think it's on Bronny the situation. Like he is LeBron James' son. He is playing at USC. Like he is always going to have this level of attention on him, and sometimes just the 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 situation itself can be a distraction. So um, I don't know if, I mean, there's, there's a lot of programs that if you kind of look at who needs shooting and who needs, um, you know, a little bit of a of consistency on the perimeter and who needs a good teammate, who needs someone that can just kind of have you buy into to what they want to do offensively on the perimeter. There's a lot of programs that could use a dude like that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a shame that it's going to be wasted uh, on a USC season, that's like it's not. They're not turning it around. I mean, they're a complete disaster. The, the Pac-12 is going to end up being a one-bit league, and if that means we get six teams from the Mountain West, then I'm all in, man. Rob, you're the best, man. Appreciate the time as Thank always, you, brother. brother. Always a pleasure, guys. And, and uh, Jason, I just want you to know that I'm one of the After Dark group texts. John Martin sent like four different texts while I was sitting here talking. So I'm just so glad that he was paying attention to what I had to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I, I can multitask, man. Lock I, in. You have to. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, guys. Thanks, bro. I'll see you, yeah. man. He is Rob Doster, uh, co-founder of Field of 68. Good stuff. Good uh, good, good jaunt around college basketball with him. We'll be back. Lots more to come around the show. Mark Giannato going to join us a little bit later. Stick around. Jason and John, ID Turn FM, ESPN. I'm Chelsea Messenger helping you beat the folks in Sexuel. The Capitals are just one point out of the final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, so a win over the Blues would help their cause. Washington has been good at home, going 12-7-1 on the season. The Blues have dropped two straight and have just eight wins away from home this season. The Bechtuel model is on the home team, taking the Caps on the money line over the Blues. That's smarter and beat the books with Bechtuel and download the BetMGM app today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. T